Welcome to the business community with me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. And this is a very exciting day because we're using a different means of recording. We're actually in the same room. It feels a bit weird, Heather, because I'm so used to seeing you through a screen. I feel like I should hold a picture frame up and look right. at you through that. Probably no bad idea, actually. <laughs> But it also means we're having to get our head round the tech because it's quite different to the last time we saw each other. And um, yeah, well, we're giving it a go, aren't we? And it is so nice to see each other. I haven't seen you for over 12 months in person. It's crazy, isn't it? And I think the last time we did see each other to do one of these, we were in a proper recording studio. Yes. Whereas now we've got all sorts of things. This is a proper recording studio. (laughs) We've got two microphones propped up on a chair and a laptop on a scarf, (laughs) laptops on a knee and a weird green screen behind the whole setup. I think it's perfect. Um, But yeah, if the sound quality isn't to our normal standard, then we do apologise. But I'm hoping that you will see an improvement week on week and that if (laughs) next time we're in this setting, it will be better. But, But hey... There we go. That's not what we're talking about this week, is it? No, no. And you you picked a a really interesting topic for us to talk about. And one that when I was doing the research this week, I felt like we'd already looked at, but we we touched on it, but we hadn't gone into depth with it, had we? Um, And it's upside down management. Why did you pick this, Heather? Well, um, I was doing some, I was preparing some slides for some training that I'm delivering and I was using the upside down management um, idea to as part of that training. And then I just thought, actually, it's, I think it's a really interesting model. I think it's a really interesting subject. And the reason we've talked about it before is because way back when, we profiled Sir John Timpson, the guy who owns the key cutting and shoe repairing chain. And he kind of coined the phrase upside down management. He's written the book. Yeah. Literally. Book. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, when you when you research it, it's very difficult not to see a reference to him or his son, James. Uh, but they use it in their business and he swears by it. Yeah. What I liked was they they, um, they talk about it on the website and they give some excerpts from this thing called the Upside Down Pocket Book, which I think is a company's, um, the, the actual books that John has written in, in more detail. Um, but the, this pocket book is, seems to be recreated on the website. I haven't seen the pocket book. Uh, I don't know if you have, Heather, but it, it looks really nice, like visual aids and, and yeah. easy descriptions of all the concepts. Yeah, his book, uh, Upside Down Management, of which I have a copy here, is very much about his story. And it, it's, I haven't read all of it because um, I, only, I only actually got it last week, I think it arrived. Yeah. But he, what, what I love is that he talks about how the business came to be and he, and he talks throughout about why this way of thinking, why this approach is a good approach. And, you know, it's fairly obvious. Upside down management is instead of having your traditional pyramid where you've got the chief exec at the top of the, at the top of the triangle, you've actually got the chief exec at the bottom of the triangle who, and he is supporting all of the organization and the senior managers are supporting the middle managers, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the book, the book, the little booklet, it's like five quid, you can buy it on the Timpson's website, um, 
is was probably produced for their managers because it is as you say very visual and it puts in layman's terms what they stand for whereas this is much more a story um but then using examples he talks about people that he's met situations he's been in when things have gone well when things have not gone so well so that's much more in depth when I looked on their website, I, I saw the book that you're holding. So that's the one with the, the picture of John on the front and the black background. Yeah. Saw the pocketbook. You're right. It's £4.99. And then there's another one with a white background called The Complete Guide to Upside Down Management. Have you seen that book? I haven't. I, but I think it is much more of a textbook, whereas this is more of the story. Story, yeah. yeah. So it depends how you like to, um, you know, how we like stories. I love a story, yeah. Uh, I do feel like we should have read that book when we profiled John Timpson all those months ago. Yeah, but it is a really long time ago. It's more, I mean, it's, it's more than a year, probably, you know, 18 months, something like yeah. that. I think it was fairly early on. But, um, yeah, I don't know why we didn't. We did things slightly differently in those days. We did. Yeah, we did things differently. We do them much better now. <laughs> She says, looking around at the tech setup. <laughs> it's very Heath Robinson, isn't it? It's is, okay. yes. You know, it's we're doing our best in this pandemic. So I didn't get the book, uh, but I, I read the website. Like I say, they've got some really good resources on there, which if that's all you wanted to do is to get an understanding of it, I, you don't need to go any further. But there, I found a few good articles, uh, one in HR magazine where they explained uh, why they did it and, and how it was important to keep business simple and focus on how Timpsons do a great job. And uh, it's it's about providing customer service and great customer service. And that's pretty much how Timpsons have been successful. They focus on the customer. And by the sounds of it, this upside-down management is the way that they listen to their employees yeah. and allow them to provide this brilliant service for their customer. And they give them um, not total autonomy, but, but significant autonomy. They have, a, they have a situation, well, they have a sign in every shop that is signed by John Timpson, and it says something like, um, I give um, I give the, the staff in this store uh, absolute permission to do whatever they need to do to give you the best customer experience that you can have. They're allowed to spend uh, without any um, without anybody having to sanction it. They're allowed to spend up to five hundred pounds to fix a problem, and that's whether you're the junior, whether you're the shop manager. You, you know, you don't have to refer defer to anybody else. If Mister Bloggs is going nuts because you've ruined his suit with your dry cleaning or whatever it might be, then you can you can give them 500 quid to yeah. sort out the suit. So that really puts the onus back on the staff, doesn't it, rather than directives coming from head yeah. office. And the rules that they do have are, are quite simple ones. Like they want them to look the part, so dress right, yeah. put the money in the till, and, and actually... Um, don't say that they can't do anything for their customers. So the stupid rules that should be broken um, when they say that we don't or we don't accept £50 notes or customers can't use the loo or we don't accept credit card sales for under £5. Those sorts of rules aren't there. Mm. It's the simple ones like they want um, the customers to have great service and they want to be able to trust their colleagues. Yeah. A lot of trust is placed Massive, in the yes. employees. And I, I'm reading between the lines here, if you lose that trust as an employee, I don't think you're going to be welcome in the business. 
No. Uh, well, it, um, did you come across the term drongos? I did, yes. yes. I don't want drongos. They don't want drongos. And you know, um, what they say something like, um, uh, get rid of drongos, allow them to go and find their happiness somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Which basically, if you don't, you know, the rules are simple and few. And if you can't and don't want to adhere to those, then... But I think that's really fair, isn't it? The, the rules are very open. You know, they're very clear about their expectations and what you can and you can't do, and where the limits are. And I think given that much autonomy, if you then go and break the rules that you can't break, you're foolish. So yeah. I, I, I can see why they use the term drongo because it's like, why would you? Why would you? Exactly, exactly. I think that um, I think we also have to, to look at, you know, why would you adopt this this approach? I mean, it sounds great from a staff point of view. It sounds great from a customer point of view. But, you know, is it great from the business point of view? You know, if potentially, I can't remember how many stores they've got, but, you know, if suddenly today's the day when everybody's given £500 away to solve a problem with a client. But so there was an article, and I found this article, bizarrely, um, on the Argyle Club. I found the same one. I was intrigued. Well. I wished I lived in London so I could join. Well, and... So the Argyle Club, um, it it basically has a number of swanky offices um, and sort of lobbies. A bit like where you work now, Heather. A bit like, yes, a bit like this. But a bit different. No leather seats in this office, no bar in this office. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the main things. But what I did notice about the Argyle Club, not that we're talking about them specifically, is you can rent a, an office for 40 quid. This is central London venues, 40 quid for the day. Brilliant. And meeting rooms, and you can be a paid-up subscriber. But um, and they've got a good blog, which is where this article yes, is from. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So they were talking about the benefits, and they were quoting some stats that um, Deloitte and PwC have come up with. Did you see these? I did. Yeah, I, I got them on my list to talk about as well. So that's really good. Well, they're, so they're talking about PwC, for example, are saying employee employees who feel autonomous in their day-to-day working environment tend to have stronger job performance, higher job satisfaction, and greater commitment to their company. And Harvard Business Review quotes some some stats which relate to stress, which is really important. 74% less stress, 106% more energy. That's I don't unbelievable. Know how do that. Yeah. 50% higher productivity and 76% more engagement and 40% less burnout. And those figures are so important, the big aren't they? figures. Because they're, they're the things at the moment, you know, the HSE. If HSE is pushing workplace stress, you know that it's reached a point where everybody needs to pay attention. Yeah. But the, the smarter companies that have been already been paying attention to this will know how it affects product productivity and engagement. So, you know, 74% less stress, 106% more energy. I love some of that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that we have to remember that Timpson didn't, Timpson had been doing this for a long time. They were doing it before the workplace mental health crisis that we're in the middle of now. And before lockdown, where the questions over, you know, can you trust your employees to work away from the office? Yeah. They were trusting their employees well before that, weren't they? Massively so. Uh, They also got a bit of um, potential bad press where they, um, so they, Timson started building on the trust thing, employing people who have a criminal record. Yeah. um, And actually... By investing in them and saying, we are going to trust you until such time as you give us reason not to, 
rather than be suspicious and that you're not trustworthy. Yeah. That's flipping that on its head as well. And it, and they're reaping rewards. Whereas, you know, they, I think there was some press that said, you know, um, uh, ex-convicts cutting keys or something, you know, it's some clever headline. Yeah, like, on... like they're going to cut themselves a spare key. For yeah, exactly. 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 But, um, it, yeah, it's, it, it's a brilliant idea. It works. And, and when I talk to people about, thinking about things differently you do get to the point where if you're the ceo and you're at the bottom now supporting the whole organization if you're the ceo of timpsons and they i don't know how many people they employ if you've come across a stat but say they employ thirty thousand people for argument's sake you've got thirty thousand livelihoods on your shoulders you make a duff decision and i wouldn't want that's why i work on my own i don't want i don't want anybody's livelihood on my shoulders you know so you get away from that whole, well, it's all right for them up there in their yeah. ivory towers. Well, all no. protected, yeah. Yeah, they're not, actually. There's a quote from James Timpson, uh, the current CEO, uh, and that's in the Argyle Club article. And he says, what I hope is that all businesses will recognise that the kinder, the more diverse and the less hierarchical they are, the more relevant they will be and the more likely to succeed. Mm. That's interesting. So it's not kindness for kindness sake, uh, you know, and flipping it on its head. It's actually to be relevant yeah. and to succeed. And, and they recognised that many years ago. Yeah. And I think, which is genius, was genius. And when you look at, if you look at the Timpson story, basically, um, John Timpson's father was just oiked out of the business. They just, they basically, they, there's an agenda. They quote in, so minutes from last meeting. Um, so it's like, welcome and apologies. Minutes from last meeting. W. Timpson, that's his name. It's Off you go. Any other business, close. And basically, because they just decided that he he was no longer for the business. So well, not relevant. Exactly. And so, you know, fair play to John. And James, obviously, is carrying on the mantle. Hmm. Um but it's interesting, isn't it? Because we, we talked recently about some companies who were upping the um, surveillance of their staff in, in certain organisations and you know monitoring what they're doing when they're at their desk and when they're away from their desk. And this seems like a completely different um, scenario. Obviously, it's a different scenario. These people are working out in satellite shops. You know, they're, they're not mm-hmm. at desks and, and visible by camera or, or whatever keystroke monitoring software there is but it is a, a different culture altogether it is very much one of community i remember that um they featured um and probably still do feature on the sunday times best companies to work for list and i know that they send out a weekly newsletter it's like a little newspaper and in that they share all sorts of successes from you know from the people level so you know mary from swindon might have just had a baby or you know or or john from aberdeen is but that's caring about people as people isn't it not just as workers yes exactly and they reap the rewards but it's interesting that you talk about the whole monitoring software and thing because the review that we're doing this week is actually it covers some of that doesn't it this 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 book that we've uh, that we've latched on to um, so we're not reviewing two books. We're talking about upside down. Yes, it, it, upside down management is a theory, as a yeah. philosophy. Yeah. Um, just so happens there's a book about it. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily a review of the book. Although, would you recommend the book? Yeah. Given that you've got it on it, your desk. Yeah. 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 
and it's it's just written in a very I mean I guess that he must actually have written it because it or dictated it because it just sounds very conversational it sounds very honest and open somebody may have done a really good job of formatting it but it yeah it's the story element yeah Uh, and that's that's Excellent. Good. So can I just say um, I'm going to review our performance so far, Heather. One thing I've really noticed about us being in the room together, we're, we're talking in semaphore. You should see that hands moving here. <laughs> <laughs> Getting a good exercise uh, yeah, as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but we probably don't do that as much on Zoom because you, well, you, you you've got literally... nobody to see that hand movement, have you? No, and you sort of... You are literally sat at that screen, whereas we are actually sitting in a room facing know, each facing other. each other, yes. Yeah, but a lot of people have been working throughout uh, at home in environments that they're not used to, cobbling things together in the, the corner of their dining room or, or whatever. And so the book we're reviewing this week is a book that I spotted um, as part of uh, a webinar that I'm developing about bringing people back into the workplace. And of course... One of the things that we need to consider is that not everybody will be coming back into the workplace and the virtual workplace is is going to be the way forward for a lot of people. So this book um, by Robert Glazer um, with Mick Sloan, I, I don't know which bits Mick did, but um, it's called How to Thrive in the Virtual Workplace, Simple and Effective Tips for Successful, Productive and Empowered Remote Work. Okay, so I can share the visual here. You must have at least half a dozen um, post-it notes shoved in that book. Yes. So that, to me, is a sign that you found lots of juicy material in there that you're going to refer to. Yes, I found... Yeah, I'm I'm sure there's there's a lot more, but these were the things that I just decided to highlight. Um, Did you... I've got a hard copy of the book. I didn't buy the book at all, no, so I researched around it. Okay. And um, I explored Robert's website and his podcast as well, which I enjoyed very much. Okay, okay. So this book, it's a bit like a manual. You know, it's quite... um, Instructive. Instructive, directive, you know, these are the things that you should be doing, could be doing, etc. And some of it isn't rocket science. Uh, and this this guy is experienced in this area of work anyway. He hasn't, although he wrote it last year, he or it was published earlier this year, um, he hasn't written it because of COVID. It's just that he has knowledge which supports the way that we've been working during COVID. Yeah, and, and I suppose that knowledge is now incredibly helpful to a lot of people so now's the time to share it absolutely absolutely and he talks about um it's things like you know you if you're going to have people working at home you've got to have the right tech you know if this is if this is this isn't a temporary measure if this is the way it's going to be for your business people have got to have the right equipment you've got to invest in that yeah and and it is um it's down to the basics as well it's not just the tech is it it's the it's the whole setup yeah. you know have they got a, the correct desk the correct chair are they at the right hat all the stuff that you would do in the in the office and and doing a display screen equipment check yeah you need to make sure you can do that in their homes as well yeah yeah because you have a duty of care yeah because otherwise you're gonna you run the risk of getting a, a claim for you know repetitive strain injury because somebody's been sitting on the corner of their dining table yeah so 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 the book covers some of the you know the 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 fundamental stuff as well as some of the more sort of emotional ethereal stuff what did you find out about uh, mr glazer well i i'd never come across him before and i actually um 
I, I was uh, warmed very much to his website and the offerings on there. Um, he's, I've signed up for a newsletter called Friday Forward. So am I supposed to be a bit of positivity in your mailbox on a Friday morning, isn't it? Yes. Well, I haven't had a Friday since I did no. the research. I'm waiting for it. But yeah. I've read a few of the articles. And uh, his website, robertglazer.com, is worth a visit. Um, so, you know, sometimes we, we talk about these websites where there are a lot of um, resources available for free. And, and the same on this website. A lot of his articles, links to his podcasts, it's worth taking a look. Even if you're not interested in how to thrive in the virtual workplace, he's got a lot of stuff to offer anyway. Um, and he's um, he's got this podcast called Elevate. And it's got a really interesting range of um, guests on there. I listened to one. I, I spent a whole hour listening to one. That, that's a big commitment from me. If anything goes beyond 40 minutes, I'm normally like, oh, I can't watch that. Can't listen to that, sorry. Um, but he had an interview with Derek Sivers um, and he was talking about changing your mind and saying no to things. Okay. Uh, it was just a really, really, it was a good conversation between two people who knew their stuff and um, I was just, I felt like I was part of it. I felt like I was in the room with them. It was really interesting. I like Derek Sivers. We've we've talked about some of the stuff um, he's done. He's got a really interesting background. And um, the way he talks about um, certain things, I remember he, he was saying, um, it's no good just relying on what you did in the past. If you set up a business and sold it, but you haven't done set up any more businesses since then, you can't really call yourself an entrepreneur. No. Yeah, or if you set up a business and now you're running it, but you haven't set up any more businesses, you're not an entrepreneur. Yeah. So he won't call himself an entrepreneur. He set up a very successful business and sold it, but he hasn't run a business since um, the early 2000s, I think. Right. Um, and so he says, oh, I'm not an entrepreneur. And it's sort of saying you can't hold on to the past uh, and, and take credit for it. So, say, for example, and they're based in America, so say you were a football star in, in high school and in college, you don't get to 40 and go, well, I'm an athlete. No, good point. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You, you're not harking back to former um, victories and former success, he, he was saying. And that, that sort of stuck in my mind. There were loads of really interesting things. Uh, the other one about the um, changing your mind and saying no is – he was quite specific in that sometimes when you don't say no to everything. So if you're at the beginning of your career and, and these opportunities come along, he said this thing where he was, he had this whole philosophy about the courage to say no is when you are inundated with so much stuff, there's too many opportunities and you have to keep a bit of space just in case a great opportunity comes along. Yeah. In that situation, you say no, but not if you're, short of work yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you say yes to things don't you it's only when your calendar's so full that if something great came along you'd have no room for it and I got that from the podcast so it's not related to this book but just if you wanted to have a look into some of the work that Robert Glazer's doing he's got his Friday Forward newsletter and the Elevate podcast um, and highly recommend he's got some really interesting guests on there yeah, it seems, I mean, it sounds like he's he's well respected because people seem to be willing to talk. The big to him. names are talking yeah. to him, yeah, which is, which is excellent. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the book, as I say, you know, it's got some broad headings. 
It talks about um, some of the practicalities. It's, it talks about what's actually going on when people are working from home. Uh, and, it, and he talks about some of the mistakes that people might make. But it, he gave... It, there's a couple of things um, that he, he mentioned. So he, he says, thinking about people who are high performers, high-performing organisations are transparent about the values they want employees to uphold. Transparency, yeah. Set clear goals and metrics that they expect employees to achieve. Can easily measure whether employees are getting the outcomes that drive the business forward, those KPIs. Recognise that it's more effective to evaluate employee outputs, not how they spend their day. Exactly. And it's he says, if you measure employees based on results, you don't need to worry about how they spend their time. And is it any of your business how they spend their time? Absolutely, absolutely. He talks about trust, you know, and of yeah. course, of course, that's a big element. He talks about the monitoring, you know, the monitoring of people, you know, and if you're, if you're trying to monitor how much time they're online, etc., you know, and why that's actually a really bad thing. Uh, but the but one thing he talks about, which I absolutely loved, is he mentions a guy called um, Mr. Lawrence from, he's a CEO of a company called Sales Fix. It's a Salesforce consulting partner with 15 employees in Australia and the Philippines. He's talking to this, this guy and the guy says, my video is almost permanently on from 8am to 5pm. Even when I'm away from my desk, Lawrence says, the team can see where, when I'm there or not and can speak to me whenever I am as if I was in the office. Uh, he says, on top of that, they hold 90-minute video calls each Friday where team members ask each other questions designed to get to know each other better. So they're, they're taking positive steps, but I just thought the idea that his camera's on all the time, just like if you were sat at your desk yeah. and somebody walked past, they come in and have a word with you. If you're not sat at your desk, they'll come back later. That's a really good point because even though, so um, I use Teams quite a bit and I can see when colleagues are online, but having a, a green tick to say they're available doesn't always mean they're in the right frame of mind or yeah. the right place or yeah. whatever it is to have a conversation. Whereas if you can actually see them, yeah. you can make that judgment. Can't you? I love that idea. Yeah. I just thought it was genius. Um, and that, and that's, a relative, you know, that's a small organisation. It's only 15 employees across you know multiple global sites but I, I suppose what he also does by having his camera open is he's normalizing the fact that he'll get up from his desk occasionally exactly exactly he might go and make himself a, a cup of tea or go to the toilet yeah or go and get some lunch or go and talk to somebody else you know yeah. it could be on a phone call just we've talked about this you know repeatedly during lockdown you don't sit at your computer all day every day so when you're in the workplace so why would you do it at home yeah why would anybody expect you to do it at home yeah when how many times your, when do you do your thinking yeah how many times would you get up to go and get a coffee go for a wee just have a look around and wander around the workplace yeah. stretch your legs it's healthy to do that yeah. isn't it yeah. yeah you might feel that you can't do that at, work, at home yeah. because by having a walk, you'd be walking right into your living room or your kitchen yes. space. Yeah. Or maybe that little bit of exercise that you need to just break up the day yeah. is emptying your dishwasher. Yeah. It's no different to doing something practical at work like that. No. So. 
No. There was a really good phrase that I um, I picked up on. He referred to COVID-19 as the largest remote work experiment in history. He said the business world was already gravitating towards virtual workplaces, but obviously you know, we went full pelt for it. Yeah. And I think um, in a lot of cases that experiment's given some really interesting and positive results, things we can build on. Yeah, and I think the point he's making in this book is very much about, um, or it's as much about the employee's perspective as it is the business's perspective. But it goes back to what we talked about before. When lockdown happened, it was just, we're just winging it. Just, you know, we've got to get people set up at home so that business can continue to trade. This is about being much more strategic well, and thinking thrive. About, it's yeah. not just survive no. in a virtual workplace. You've got to thrive. Yeah. 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 So that's How to Thrive in the Virtual Workplace by Robert Glazer. Robertglazer.com, I think, yes, is his website. Right, yeah. um, I'll put a link to that uh, and all of the things that we're talking about today on our website, which is the business.community. Can we talk food now then, Heather? Yes. I'm dying to talk about this gentleman. Yeah, you chose him. I did. Tell tell all. (laughs) And I'm starving as well. I I haven't had my evening meal yet, so I'm ready for something to eat. Might have to stop off on the way home by a wagon wheel. Ah. Ah. Because the reason I picked Cyrus Toddywaller is last week I watched him compete in uh, Snackmasters. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, it, It's where these top chefs make stuff that really you should only be making in food factories. Um, But they they have amazing goes at recreating stuff, mind-boggling stuff. They did quavers. Quavers, yeah. What was the other one? Done shreddies as well as a recent one. That that was amazing. Yeah. Um, But Cyrus Tardywell made the best wagon wheel. And it, it was brilliant. And I really warmed to the gentleman and his wife. Yes. Who, who featured in the show as well. Um, if you've not heard of him, um, Cyrus Rustam Toddywala, um is an Indian chef proprietor um, of Cafe Spice Namaste. Now, I think that that particular cafe that was referred to in Snackmasters has actually recently closed and he's got a new venture um, which is going to be a cookery school. And at the moment, he hasn't got the cafe or the restaurant open. It's a pop-up um, selling um, doses on the docks uh, in, in London. Um, and it sounds amazing. I just wish I could just pop there for a yes. nice fresh doser. Um, but he's, he's a fascinating gentleman. Uh, I love his website. I am going to buy some of his spices and his vegetable vegetarian cookery book yeah. um i'm also rather tempted to buy one of his meal at home kits now so many chefs and top restaurants even not top restaurants so many um everywhere just yeah. eateries are yeah. doing um eat at home so uh, rather than just the takeaway some of them you prepare it yourself um the ones from um mr toddy waller mr toddy waller's kitchen um is um it's sort of i think it's like a heat heat it up at home so you don't have to totally prepare it but it arrives i think vacuum packed delivered to your home so uh, i do actually want to order the vegan one heather right okay it's on my list and i shall be doing that quite soon but he's he's branched out during covid to do this and i think that you know fair play to him 
um, is is done well by the looks of it. They look amazing. I need to try them though to give a real opinion. Um, yeah, what did you think when I suggested Mr. Toddy Weller? Well, I had watched Snackmasters, so yeah. I knew who you meant. Good. Um, I hadn't. I have to admit, I hadn't heard of him before, or not consciously. I mean, I, I might have seen him on Saturday you know, Kitchen or, or something, yeah, something yeah. like that. I mean, they were involved in cooking. Um, uh, there was a cookery program around cooking for the Queen and Prince Philip for the their dining, jubilee, something like something that. Yeah. that. Yeah. So, so, um, so, but he's kind of passed passed me by. Um, but I loved him on Snapmasters. His sense of humour and his and and his wife. She's basically yeah. just he, you know he says you it, well it sounds like he doesn't do anything without her saying. But it was yeah. a, it was a lovely relationship yes, they had. It wasn't was it? yes a mutual respect that yeah. shone through. Didn't yeah, it? absolutely. Um, but you know he comes from he he comes from you know he didn't just rock up. And open a restaurant. You know, he's, he's worked really hard. He moved to the UK in 1991, and he he took over a restaurant, but he didn't have money really to build it into a business. So a guy called Michael Gottlieb provided investment funding, um, and that's when he was able to open the Cafe Spice Namaste in 1995. But he 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 was born and, and brought up in Mumbai, um, and his father. Uh, I, I love this. His father worked for the Automobile Association as Chief of Road Service for Western India. That sounds like quite a big job, doesn't yeah. it? Um, and, and he he trained, in fact, he met his wife at uh, the Taj Hotel Resorts and Palaces in India, uh, where he started um, as a, lo- a low-ranking um, assistant and then progressed to, to running the restaurant's uh, with 160 staff, so he's time served, as they might say. It, it's interesting to see, isn't it, that he, he didn't just um, become immediately successful. Uh, I think when he's setting up his business, you know, he, he struggled to get loans, and this is an interesting one. He turned to his family uh, for financial support, and uh, amazingly, yeah, they they um, uh, they gave him lots of small amounts. So when you have a big family, if uh, if all the big family and lots of them give you small amounts, and then uh, you're going to start to make headway. But I read somewhere that he won a car and then sold it, and and then they they were able to use that money to to buy a, a place to deposit on a house. But one thing I was really upset about is that through a lot of his career where he was noticeably doing really good work with um, the National Health Service and um, with the Home Office um, and and working along advisory councils for education and training. Uh, Sorry, he wasn't working with the Home Office. The Home Office were pursuing him for... um, Immigration reasons. Oh, okay, he was he was he's not working with them. Yeah, um, they were pursuing him for deportation, even though he was actually doing this work with government agency. So it, it's it seems unpleasant, doesn't yes. it? Yeah, um, and that would have been very stressful. Yeah, and it's not something that you'd like anybody to go through. Um, he was um, he was at one of the. Um, times he was facing a threat of deportation, he was on the National Advisory Council for Education and Training targets alongside former Home Secretary David Blunkett. Oh, okay. So even even that doesn't protect you. No. Um, but yeah, he's got um, 
he's got this idea then of developing a cooking school and, and training chefs in, in quality Asian Indian cooking. And I think it's rather, um, it, it's rather exciting that they, they were looking for investment and support on that. I saw some links on that on the website and inviting people to actually support. So even now, you know, he's a, he, you see him on the TV and the assumption is, oh, he must be incredibly successful and incredibly wealthy. People like that still need financial backing to run their businesses. Yeah, and particularly at the moment when, okay, he has diversified in terms of the, you know, the eat-at-home stuff, but that's not yeah. going to replace you know, you, you, the number of covers that are sitting, you know, with nobody sitting in them throughout the the pandemic. What what I, what I picked up on, and I think it's probably from his website, is that actually he seems, whether he is or not, is almost by the by. The message he he gives is that he wants to educate people and introduce them to new flavours, things that they wouldn't ordinarily eat. And I think that that is fantastic because we think, you know, we think of Indian food, um, Indian-style cuisine, and we kind of think we know what it's all about. But he's he's about bringing in things that most of us wouldn't have heard of unless unless we're very prolific um, eaters of Indian food. And so he want, he's professional in his approach but he wants to show people, look, you can have this. And, and it's part of an education. And I think that, that really comes through in the way that the, his packs on it, his eat at home packs and the, the things that he sells on his website. Uh, it, yeah, I, I, it, it looks great. It did make me feel very hungry. They're not, <laughs> they're not cheap. I think, is it 70 quid for the four yeah. person? Two. Two people. Two people. Yeah, for seventy pounds. But you know, if you went to the restaurant, you would pay more oh, than yeah, that, wouldn't that's you, true. for the meal? Yeah. But there's always the risk that I might mess it up. You see, they deliver it to me. Eating it. Well, yeah. You know, stranger things have happened. Oh, I feel like I need to order it for me and you, and I'll eat it up <laughs> for you, Heather. I, you, you, you couldn't spoil that, surely. No, I, <laughs> no, not really. He's also quite keen on sustainability. He's an environmentalist. Um, he he's helped to establish two bird sanctuaries in Goa, apparently, and um, he chooses to cook with organic and sustainable products where possible in his restaurants. And uh, he he aims to to be sustainable in his cafes, uh, his restaurants. Um, and he also believes in the medicinal effects of spices. Yes, I saw yes. that. Mm. That's my excuse for loving a good curry. Oh, it's medicinal, yeah. Um, it's worth checking out um, their website. Um, there's um, cafespice.co.uk. Um, they've got um, a Twitter page as well, so um, Cafe Spice Namaste and Chef, Chef Cyrus Toddy Waller. Um, they've got Facebook as well. And also there's this uh, Mr. Toddy Waller Petiscos. Now, um, I've got no internet connection here and I was going to click on that, Heather. Um, but I think it's a, is it Portuguese and Asian food? Can you quickly look that up while I... Petisco. Pet is cos. Petiscos. Yeah. Oh. It's a wine bar, 
Yes, it's a partnership between the Todorollas and Portuguese Vino, the leading importer of Portuguese wine into Britain. Sounds like my sort of place. Yes, it does. Yes, the essence of Goan and Portuguese dining. Which wow. It's quite neat, isn't it? But uh, I just fancy a Goan Portuguese tonight, yeah, Heather. Yeah, yeah. Sure. sounds fantastic. Oh, yeah, when you see the pictures, you'll... <laughs> you're keeping those to yourself. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think he's got this new development taking place in the docks um, and... You know, I, I just wish him every success because I, I completely warmed to him and his wife on Snackmasters. It's amazing where you get your inspiration for who you want to profile on this show. And, uh, yeah, I, I felt, um, yeah, I, I feel invested in his success. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a great thing to see. So that is Mr. Toddywaller, Cyrus Toddywaller, um, and he's, uh, we'll put links to, his various websites on our website blog, which is thebusiness.community. And it has been lovely, Heather, doing a face-to-face in-person. It's really weird, isn't it? Yeah. But it's good. I wonder if it sounds different. I'll find out when I edit the show, won't I? I hope you've all enjoyed listening. <laughs> we've enjoyed doing it anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's all we've got time for this week on The Business Community. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's podcast, you can find out about all the things that we've talked about over the years at our website, which is thebusiness.community. We do hope you'll join us again next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.